Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. May the 9th, 2022, episode 63, season 2 of the Anglo-Italian pod. Before we start our episode, please remember to follow us on Instagram at AngloItalianPod, on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, to add us and subscribe to us on YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, and whatnot. And finally, to give a cheeky little follow to our one and only sponsor at Sports Club Maps. As always, I'm Tommaso and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Rory, here I am, here we are, it's Monday again, another weekend of football down, I can almost taste the end of the season, I'm kind of excited and a little bit sad that it's coming to an end, but obviously our emotions will be dictated by how it actually ends, I suppose. Um, How are we doing on Monday, this Monday, Tommy, how are we doing? All right, I have to admit that, guys, I am growing older. I'm turning 30 this year, and I can start feeling it in my body. I think after 29 years that I was doing fine in the spring, right now it's finally catching up to me. I think I'm allergic to whatever trees are shedding. It's I like to call it like vegetable vegetal cum. It's basically what it is, right? It's like I have never right? thought about it like that, but I suppose you're right. I suppose... It's just right. annoying. It's just <laughs> annoying. It gives you a cold. It gives you a headache. It makes you feel tired. I felt like a slob all day. I took a little nap that was like nightmarish almost for the things that I dreamt. Woke up t- more tired than earlier. But I feel here like our listeners are very much getting an insight into your life. The last two, three episodes have just been like, I woke up from a nap and I felt like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, guys. Come at me. Judge me for taking naps in the afternoon. It's actually, it's actually a really good habit for old people like me. I had a very good weekend. I was with you on Friday watching Inter Milan at your place. I got uh, I got the pleasure to try your sausage and gravy, which was awesome. Sausage and, and mash with gravy. Homemade gravy, listeners. Um, yeah, I think it was all right. It was good. How was your weekend? Uh, it was very good. It was very good. Yeah, as you said, we started off on Friday. The way the evening started, I thought this could be a quiet night. But thankfully, it took a bit of a turn. Um, and then Saturday had a visitor, which involved getting day drunk in the Villiers in Milan, which was nice. Um, and then Sunday yesterday was kind of watching Arsenal. It was meant to be a nice, relaxing Sunday. Arsenal made sure it wasn't. Um, and then it was just me recovering. But yeah, it was quite a nice... there's a lot of weekends back to back where I've been drinking. And I think for a while now, I just need to take my foot off the gas a little bit because as our listeners may not be aware, Tommy, I'm a few years older than you. And I definitely feel it now after one night of drinking when I do two, it takes days, days. The big news from the weekend, I want to say, of course, we're going to cover everything Serie A, Premier League. We're taking also a little trip down Serie B and the championship but I think that the big headline that we should start this episode from is Erling Haaland done and dusted to Manchester City. Thoughts? Shit. Uh, <laughs> I think this was, I put a thing on Twitter today that was like, um, I was just starting to entertain the idea that maybe, possibly within a few years, Arsenal might maybe, possibly mount a title challenge. Maybe, possibly. And then you get a new story like City sign Haaland. And you're like, ah, no matter what we do, they are just going to buy the best players in the world. And we will always be a little bit behind. I think, obviously, I don't need to talk about why this signing could be a great thing. He's one of the best strikers on the planet. He is only 21 years old, 22 years old. It's one of those names that don't turn numbers as quick as you might think like what it's one of those players you check their age and they're still like 20 21 yeah (laughs) mm, yeah yeah oh wow this guy hasn't even hit his like pre-peak this guy is just like (laughs) completely potential but then i think also on the same hand it's a bit of a weird it's not a classic pep guardiola signing it's not really a striker that he tends to go for a big physical like He's not had that striker. He had an out-and-out striker in Aguero and didn't always use him. By all accounts, wasn't massively convinced by him. I think it's quite a, like, maybe Guardiola is realising that he needs to adapt a little bit more, change a little bit more. He needs that focal point for them to win the Champions League. It's obviously a huge um, a huge move for them. 
if I was a City fan, a City fan, I'd be very, very excited. I think for the Premier League, it could, it could kind of wrap up the the Premier League title for the next five years, like depending how well he does. Because even Liverpool, as great as they've been and as incredible as their front line is, they're still not able to match City, and City are about to improve. So I think it could be a bad thing for the league as much as it's like a big name. You know, we're going to see some great goals. He is a great player. I don't know if it'll improve the competitiveness when it comes to like whose name is on the trophy at the end of the year. What are your first reactions to it? Well, number one, I just checked his age. He is turning 22 this summer in August, if I'm not mistaken. The first thing that I thought of was a big Scandinavian guy at Guardiola's court. Mm -hmm. Have I seen this before? (laughs) Yes, I have. Did it go well? Nah, it went terribly. We all remember of the trade between Inter Milan and Barcelona. Ibrahimovic going to Barcelona and Inter Milan getting it all and 30 million cash in exchange. Yep, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Did it work well for Inter? Fuck yeah, it did. Did it work well for Barcelona? No, it didn't. Actually, I was checking Ibrahimovic's stats that season and they're not horrible stats. They're like, the numbers are there, Mm. but things never really clicked. And uh, I don't know if uh, Aland is the ideal signing for a Guardiola team, but maybe Guardiola has finally realized that if you want to accomplish things in Europe, you might as well play with a fucking striker up front. Um, Because if there's one thing that we learned from that Real Madrid, well, from all of the semifinals really, was that, or from, yeah, both the semifinal legs, sorry, with City, is that they had so many chances, Mm -hmm. especially in the first leg, especially in the first leg. We've said they could have scored six, seven, but they didn't. And I think this those two games could have been the turning point for Guardiola being like, right, okay, this striker system just isn't going to get us over the line. We need that focal point up front. It is terrifying because the service he is going to get from all angles, from Cancelo, from Silva, from everyone, from bloody Edison, it is going to be frightening how much service that guy gets and how just how many goals he could get. We could see a record breaker in the Prem, which would be crazy. Yeah, it, definitely interesting. Um, I think it's also a matter of, uh, well, of course, it's a player that if you were a manager and they offered you Island, no matter which system you play with, you would be like, guys, if we've got money, let's go for it, right? Also because it's a matter of taking him away from other mm-hmm. possible buyers. So you wouldn't want Manchester United, your cross-city, the rivals, signing him or Liverpool or even Bayern Munich. That becomes a problem yeah. in, the, in the Champions League. So it's also a matter of snatching him from other contenders. I think it's going to be incredible. Um, I want and when you look it. at the sorry, and when you look at the release clause, it's pretty cheap, like sixty million. That's like that is not a lot of money for someone. If there was no release clause, you'd be looking at one hundred and fifty million for him, easy one hundred and sixty million. Like the release clause is crazy low. Yeah, and this is also all this transfer. He's gonna he's gonna pay for a pretty sick funeral for Mr. Mino Raiola, I want to say. All right, sorry, I had to say it, but I'm sure I'm sure that the money is still going to Mino Raiola's uh, agent Estate. company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there are rumors about Ibrahimovic possibly taking over Mino Raiola's business in the future. Yep. Wow, Ibra moving into an agent. That was so obvious, I can't believe I never thought of it. Yeah, but yeah. of course he's going to be an agent. It just makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and then he can like he can like uh, you know, uh he, he can have like a killer tagline for each one of his players, you know, like like Raiola did. I can see that <laughs> happening. So, Alan coming to the Premier League, that's not going to be until next season i haven't read fabrizio romano saying here we go yet but it feels he like... has tweeted within the last hour or so yeah, yeah all yeah, right yeah. here we go it's happening yeah. but not until next season we're still in the 2021 2022 season rory whatever you gotta tell us from this weekend this weekend, we're going to stay with Man City for a little bit. Um, we asked questions about where they would be mentally after being knocked out of the Champions League. We asked them if we, if they would be able to deal with it, and they absolutely slapped Newcastle 5-0. Newcastle were, by all accounts, pretty terrible, conceded some soft goals at the beginning, had one or two opportunities where they could have scored. Chris, Chris Wood had a header that he should have done better with, as did Lascelles, but once City got their first goal through some 
pretty uncommitted tracking back from Sam Maximan letting the runner go. Uh, once City got the first goal, it was pretty comfortable from there. No real surprises, really, I suppose. Um, Man City just getting the job done. But the surprise potentially was the night before where Liverpool dropped points to Tottenham in a one-all draw. Tottenham taking the lead through Son Hung Min. He's the first player uh, since Gareth Bale for Tottenham to get 20 goals in a season and not one of them be a penalty. It's Mm -hmm. fucking crazy the season this guy's having. And... I'm actually going to spend a couple of minutes giving Tottenham some props. So, oh my um, I'm God, glad ladies and recorded. gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, turn it up. It's, <laughs> happened, it's happened a bit more than this season compared to our debut season last year. But Rory uh, is turning into an impartial fan. Well, uh, there's some progress to go yet. <laughs> what have you got to tell a Spurs fan about their performance, Rory? Defensively, they were unbelievable. Like you, are, we are definitely seeing the Antonio Conte method the Antonio Conte um, abuse (laughs) fixing and working its way into this team the way they know the system they know how they're going to play he's getting performances out of all the wing backs Sessignon had a few dodgy moments but overall had a great game Um, he's getting performances out of Doherty until he was injured like he's getting these We've said it before, Conte always picks a player that he improves massively. But he's doing it with a lot of, of players in this uh, in this Spurs side. I thought against um, Liverpool, they just made their lives incredibly difficult. Liverpool definitely had the majority of the ball, were the better side. But it's Liverpool's job to break them down. And Tottenham made sure that they couldn't. Um, and this uh, resulted in uh, Jurgen Klopp being quite salty in the post-match uh, <laughs> press conference saying that it's a personal problem. I know Mm -hmm. it's my problem, but I could never manage a team like that. I don't understand why they play like that. Uh, They've got players with so much talent. I don't understand why they don't play another kind of football. Instead of breaking the, the, the lines of passing, they could have tried to build their own play. What do you think about the all this wordiness in the post-match press conference? For a team that pride themselves on like the detail and scouting other players and scouting teams and knowing, you know, preparing for teams, have they not watched a single game that Tottenham have played against City or, or against them earlier in the season? This is how Tottenham play. This is how they beat Man City twice. Like, you cannot be surprised by the style of football they played. And then you can't be surprised when it works. I feel like... It's Jurgen Klopp's job to figure out how to get around that. Yep. And as far as managers go, I find his um, bitterness after games when a team hasn't just bent over and let them win like Arsenal usually do, how bitter he gets about it, I find it really irritating. Both him and Go- and Guardiola have this habit. Now, on one hand, you can say, well, they're elite managers. That's what elite managers have always been like, I'm sure without looking through my rose-tinted glasses, Wenger was probably pretty bitter when we lost games. Ferguson was definitely bitter when he lost games. But I feel like these two managers, for teams that are having an almost perfect season, right? Like, Liverpool could lose the title because they drew one game, right? This is like two teams at the very top level. For them to moan so consistently anytime they drop points and the kind of the tone they give of this expecting teams to just let them win I find it really really irritating and Klopp has complained about a lot of things he's complained about the wind he's complained about the pitches he's complained about teams not just letting him win I think mate just focus on the fact that you've got this incredible team you're still going for four trophies right the title race is basically over but it's not over right it's not over until it's over right well exactly exactly and I think there's just much more reason to you can just be a congratulate Tottenham for playing well, take the point and just go on. Like I understand the disappointment, but there's just been a few moments where he's really not covered himself in glory. And then even Guardiola after the City game then came out and said, All the media wants Liverpool to win, nobody wants us to win. I'm sick of it. And it's like both of these managers playing the victim for the two best teams in the country. It's like Trust me, guys, nobody wants either of you to win it. Like, nobody wants City <laughs> to win it because you're owned by a state that's committed all sorts of human rights abuses. And no one wants Liverpool to win it because it's Liverpool. Like, nobody's happy that anyone, either of you, is going to win this. If league. somebody could Just pick, they would, 
they would pick Brighton probably to win it, like as an yeah, impartial yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not Brighton? I'd definitely do that. Um, and they've got more chance of winning it than some other teams that we're going to get onto shortly. Um, <laughs> nice but... little leeway. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, both those managers have just been kind of annoying me a lot recently. And this constant, the media, because the media wants them to win. Oh, the media wants them to win. <sighs> There's no, like, overriding, like, decision constructed by the media of, like, right, who are we going to back? Who are we not going to back? It's, I don't know. It's just, it gets very, very tiring. Very yeah, tiring. At, the, at the Daily Telegraph, they sit down and they're just like, right, guys, what jersey are we wearing this year? Yeah. <laughs> or Liverpool? Like, no, it doesn't go like that. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you something, Rory. So, Manchester City um, are about possibly to win the league. I don't mean to jinx it for any citizens listening right now. Liverpool are in the Champions League final, and they've been doing that with quite ease over the past five editions of the Champions League. I wanted to ask you, what, what is it easier? Is it easier to get to the Champions League final, or is it easier to win the Champions League? The, sorry, the Premier League. Because uh, Liverpool seem to be struggling quite a bit with one, despite having a great season, and do the other one quite comfortably. For Man City, I want to say it's the opposite. What do you think? Well, if you look at, like, it's a very, I think... The Champions League is kind of it's going to be a massive cliche, but it's a cup competition, so you do need more luck, right? Yeah. At times in knockout rounds, you need more luck. Whereas in a league campaign, you have it's over a longer period. There's more chances to kind of a, one mistake doesn't necessarily mean you're out, etc. But I think when you're looking at the title race between these two teams, for example, Liverpool have lost two games this season, right? Man City have lost three. The fact that Liverpool have drawn three more games than City could cost them the title, right? So that you are talking there, three goals, Fine three margins. goals could yeah. make a difference in, that could make Liverpool now top of the league. And this is also a team that has scored eighty-seven goals, right? City have scored eighty-nine. So you're literally going down to. <laughs> To 87 the- goals to 89. That is the difference, right? It's not a, a loss here. It's a goal here. It's a goal in that Brighton game. It's a goal against Tottenham at the weekend. It's Those are the fine margins. So I think we've said it before, but this is like the highest level that the Premier League has ever been at. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily the greatest rivalry. It's not the greatest title races, but it is the highest level the league has ever been at. And for you to... I think we're basically getting to a point where... Sometimes, right, on Football Manager, I've tried to do Liga, right? And I've taken over Monaco, and I know the second I lose one game, I'm not going to win the league because PSG are not going to lose one game, right? And I feel like that's kind of the point we're getting to with the Premier League, but it's just with a few more teams. Like, that one loss could absolutely cost you, whereas in the past, for United, for uh, for Arsenal, Arsenal won the league three times and never even got close to this points total. Like, so I just feel like the, 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 um, the quality is just getting higher and higher. Whereas for the Champions League, I feel like a lot of it is like motivational, it's psychological, it's like bad, not over, based not on overthinking luck, games. little moments. Like, yeah, not overthinking games, not giving mm-hmm. two goals away in stoppage time, and all yeah. that. <laughs> Guardiola, good. But besides City and Liverpool, what have we got in England? You were saying that Arsenal almost made you pull your air off, Rory. You were winning quite comfortably, two nil, but then things went south. What happened there? Well, the first half, we were absolutely bossing it. Two goals within the first 10 minutes, Eddie and Ketia. We were gifted one of them. Um, thank yeah, you. Sorry, uh, goalkeepers and managers, can we stop building from the back with such insistence? Especially if we- you're not very good at it. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel, even, I feel, even the teams that are good at it now, they learn when you when to, when to do it and when not to do it. Like Arsenal used to insist on it constantly, but now sometimes Ransdale will just be like, no, everyone long, fucking get out, right? Um, whereas Leeds kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, and they're not very good at it. So Ilan Melier gave us the first goal. Thank you. Eddie Nketiah got a second goal. Martinelli, unbelievable performance across the day, was just unbelievable. Luke Ayling got sent off for, at the time, I thought it was harsh, and then I've seen it, I'm like, that was a ridiculous tackle. So in at halftime, 2-0 up, a man up, and you're thinking, okay, Arsenal, right, just get that third goal, make it comfortable, and we just could not get the third goal. Missed so many chances, so many chances. Leeds have one corner and they score. <laughs> that is the first corner we have conceded this season, 
we have really? not conceded from a corner this season. That is the Holy first crap. time. And it meant that the last 20 minutes were absolutely horrible. There was a moment at the end where Rodrigo flicked a header on. I thought it was going to go in, but thankfully Ramsdale caught it. At this point for Arsenal, I don't really care about the performances. It's just about getting the three points. It was huge that we won yesterday, like massive that we won yesterday. It does mean that all the pressure's on Tottenham for Thursday. It does mean that we just need to not lose. So it was a huge, huge result. I just wish Arsenal could do things comfortably. I think it's part of this team being young and like the lack of experience and the, all these things kind of feed in. But my God, I went from like the first half, just kind of casually sat on my phone as the game went on, thinking this is game's kind of done, to the second half, like not being able to really sit still. I was like, why are you doing this to me, Arsenal? Why? It's horrible. Um, but we got the win. Now, all I can do is think about Thursday. I'm incredibly, incredibly nervous. I do think Tottenham are going to, like, in the big games, they've done really well this year, right? They've beaten City twice. They've beaten Liverpool. Um, they lost to United twice, but maybe that's not a big game anymore. We'll get onto it. Um, I do worry that they're going to pull something out of the bag against us. But the good thing is, even if they do, <laughs> we still have that one point. We still have that, okay. We can just keep going. We just, oh God, I, I want it to be Friday already. I want it to be Friday, basically. In other news, Manchester City, Brighton, four, Manchester United, Brighton, 4-0, actually, Brighton, Manchester United, 4-0. <laughs> Look, I, man, uh, honestly, all right, can I say something? I'm looking at the standings right now. Brighton are in ninth place, eight points shy of Europe. Do you remember when they had that incredible run of draws? Now I kind of get why their fans were starting to boo their manager. If they had only won two of those games, man, right now they would be four points away from Europa League, from the Conference League action, and that would get their fans on the, on the tips of their feet. I think it would be incredible. So a, a good season again from Brighton, but we are left with the what could have been, right? Well, this was our first win at home since Boxing Day. <laughs> Before this game, they'd scored 12 goals at home. Oh, so they've now man. scored 25% of their goals at home against Manchester United. Um, <laughs> it is hilarious how bad Manchester United are. I can't... And, and I'm going to... You know, I was, I, Tommy said, here's an impartial football fan. It's about to change. The amount of shit we got for spending 50 million on Ben White when United bought ch multiple Champions League winner Rafael, Rafael Varane. Real Madrid do not sell players unless they want to sell players. And if they want to sell players, there's a reason. It's the same when they sold us Meza Ozil. It's the same now they've sold you Varane. They knew that the be these guys' best days were behind him. He had an absolute shocker, but without singling him out, Everyone around him had an absolute shocker. There was a moment where, before, I've talked about Ronaldo's attitude, right? And been like, you shouldn't be calling out your, your teammates on the pitch. You shouldn't be, like, shaking your head. You shouldn't be, like... But honestly, at this point, I just think, yeah, Ronaldo is not the problem. Like, he was on the pitch and he just... I think when they scored the third goal or the fourth goal, it was just a long ball over the top. And he gets through, scores, goal, and Ronaldo's just like... Yeah, and he's just laughing to guys? himself. I'm like, yeah, man, actually, I kind of get it. There's nothing you can do. Like, you're just going, what am I surrounded by? Like, I think so many of those players have been overrated for years. People, like, people were telling me that Lindelof is a great defender. People were telling me that McTominay, there's a good midfielder in there somewhere. People were telling me Maguire's up there. People were telling me Wan-Bissaka should be in the England team. A lot of these players are absolutely awful and it is going to take years to get rid of them because as Arsenal learned, we had so much shit that had been shit for years that everyone had seen be shit and it's impossible to sell those players because guess what? Nobody wants to buy shit players. Like, And there's so many players in our squad now that, where their reputation has been ruined and they're going to have to release players. They're going to have to do what Arsenal did. If they really want to turn the ship around quickly, they're going to have to pay players to leave. And the thing is, I don't think United, the United board are going to do that. Like this squad is a mess. And the, the issues in the, in the dressing room with like Lingard spouting off and they all obviously fucking hate each other. Like, 
Even Paul Pogba now apparently going to Man City on a free, which I think would actually be a great signing for City and a great move for Paul Pogba. Um, the whole thing's a mess. And personally, I'm sorry, United fans, kind of, but I love to see it. Um, for Brighton, it was an incredible, incredible performance. Kukurea, who's been awesome all season, getting his first goal of the season. Great to see that. He was like nearly in tears. Um, Caicedo, football manager legend, getting his first goal for the club as well. Just what a beautiful day on the South Coast for Brighton fans. I feel like they've had a bit of a rough 2022 and this will be the thing where like, right, it was all worth it. <laughs> it was yeah, all worth yeah. it because we but, did United 4-0 at home. Yeah, but you're still left with that 14 draws, which I think I want to say is That's a mental. league record matched by Crystal Palace this season of 14 draws. And uh, you're just like, man. I want to say that a few of those were nil-nil. Like, how, the difference the two goals would have made there. Well, this is... Fine it, it, margins, it, once again, yeah. Well, this is it, exactly. And this has been the thing with Brighton for ages. Just like, you know, the XG memes. Like, they've just... And Palace as well. They've not got that striker that's going to get you 15, 20 goals a season. Because actually, there's not that many of those around. Um, but yeah, if Brighton could actually get a striker that's better than Mopai, re- I reckon they could be pushing for Europe. Like, they've got a very, very good team there. Very good team there. Yeah. And... A great manager in Graham Potter, who this week was linked to Tottenham, despite Conte still being in the job. So who knows what's going to happen there? But Potter doing incredible things on a, I think, a bit of a shoestring budget, really. Yeah. Um, do you agree with uh, Gary Neville, who said that uh, David Gea and Cristiano Ronaldo are the only two players with no responsibilities on Manchester United's season this year? No responsibilities. Um... No, I don't remember the exact quote. No, I think I that does sound about right. I think David De Gea has made mistakes as good as he's been this year. I remember the goal against Arsenal. They won that game, but he just fell over for no reason and expected the goal to be ruled uh, ruled out for a foul. I think for Ronaldo, as good as he's been, he is an abrasive character in the dressing room. You can say that he like his attitude isn't the problem, but I think he has made the dressing room more splintered. Um, mm-hmm. So I think everyone at that club at the moment holds a, shares a little bit of the blame, I think. All right. We've got still quite a lot to talk about. Also, midweek Premier League action that we will need to preview. Any other headlines across the Premier League this weekend? Bradford won 3-0 over Southampton. Aston Villa, 3-win away at Burnley. Chelsea, another stop, 2-2 against Wolves. Um, Rory. Your bloody close. We're sorry. Your bloody close to Chelsea right now. Understanding we are. We're Arsenal. only one point behind, and they keep, keep, keep giving goals away. Wolves managed to get a last, last gasp equalizer through Connor Cody, which was beautiful to see. I'm not saying anything, Tommy. You're not tempting me into any predictions. We are one point behind Chelsea. That's all I'm saying. But we do very quickly talking of Chelsea. We need to go to a Chelsea legend and talk about Everton. Actually. Pulling things out of the bag, getting a massive win away to Leicester. If you've not seen the Mikalenko goal, what a hit. This is a player that the Everton fans have fallen in love with instantly because he works hard. And I think his attitude is starting to rub off on a lot of the players. They're properly putting shifts in. Another player that needs all the plaudits. Jordan bloody Pickford. Some of the saves he made in this game are beyond belief. He has been a a wall in this Everton survival bid. And I think if they stay up, he takes about 80% of the the credit. He has been unbelievable. Just, yeah, a huge result for Everton there. Leicester cannot defend set pieces. I don't know what Brendan Rodgers is doing. They are the worst team I've ever seen defending corners. Everton again scored from a corner. Leicester's season just petering out, especially after losing to Roma in midweek. Um, I feel like Leicester just need a bit of a reset this summer, kind of look at what, where the gaps are in their team and try to address them. By all accounts, some players leaving. Tielemans expected to be at Arsenal hey. next year. They could they could uh, automatically get uh, no sorry mathematically get relegated still so some work uh, to do there. Hello to our friend Gregorio who's joined the chat right now. Uh, Rory, are we ready to move on from the Premier League? I think we are. I think that's all of it. Um, yeah, let's do Serie A. All right, this is our friend Gregorio who is an AC Milan fan. He's online right now. I feel like 
God damn it, I hate doing this. We need to start from AC Milan. Look, I'll try. Rory has been <clears throat> Rory has been doing great. Rory has been teaching me something: the importance of being impartial. What a great game by AC Milan, guys! I'm so great excited for you. Yes, great performance. Only two steps away from the title. You guys deserve it so badly. The headlines have only one name, Sandro Tonali. On the 8th of May, the day of his birthday, this guy does anything a football player is required to do on a football pitch. He scores two goals, assisted by a certain Rafael Leao, that now I think Rory is fully on board with. Definitely, definitely. AC Milan are (laughs) able to overturn the score since Verona took the lead through Marco Faraoni. Also, when when I, I was driving... And I heard Marco Faraoni goal. And Faraoni used to play for Inter Milan. I was just like, oh my God, the stars are aligning. <laughs> Our former player scores against AC Milan. Not even the time to celebrate. Tonali makes it 1 1. And then, boom, there you go. Second half, 2 1. And at the end, Florenzi, after touching his second ball in the game, it was a give and go. The first ball was yeah. also part of the action. Scores a beautiful goal that puts the game in ice. AC Milan 3-1. They restore the lead at the top of Serie A. And Inter Milan find themselves behind once again. Rory, does it feel like it's coming together for the Rossoneri? I thought last night was a very, very, very big test. Um and they made it look pretty comfortable. I think the, their next two games coming up are Atalanta and Sassuolo. If there's one thing we know about Atalanta this year is that they've been very disappointing and I wouldn't expect them to do much. Sassuolo, I think, is your... Just clutch onto that straw for as long as you can because I think last night, if Milan were going to slip up, it was going to be last night. Yeah, and uh, I want to say that uh, yeah, our friend Gregory is saying Leao is amazing. Fifty percent of the match was thanks to him. Yes, man, this guy mm-hmm. just he can create Incredible. space. He runs unbelievably fast, and he knows exactly where to do these runs. Both of Tonali's goals were pretty simple, just simple tap-ins, mm-hmm. but the. The timing of the passes from Leao was just incredible. When that guy starts, when you give that guy a bit of space on the wings, he just does whatever he wants. And it's not like Verona were pulling back. Verona like really put all they had uh, in that game, but it wasn't enough. Now, AC Milan need, need four points to mathematically win the, the league. The only thing that Inter Milan fans like myself can wish for is for a slip, but at the same time, Inter's fixtures, um, they, you know, they're all mixed up with relegation, survival hopes, uh, and so on. I have to say one thing about this AC Milan team, and I will say it right now. They are not, on paper, the best team in Serie A, but they've, I don't know, they've created a very nice locker room. It feels like these guys are going into every game with the right determination, um, they also had a very bad injury. Kier, one of the best defenders in the mm. leagues in the league last year, he was out injured for the, he's out injured for the rest of the season, and he has been for quite some time. Um, they also had uh, their incredible goalkeeper by the by a distance, the best goalkeeper in Serie A, being injured for over a month. People tend to forget that Tataruzano was in goal instead of him. Inter Milan fans like myself complaining about one game in which we play our substitute keeper. AC Milan had to play, I believe, three or four mm-hmm. at least with their sub keeper. He did great. He even saved the penalty on Lautaro Martinez, which could mean the winning the title uh, at the end of the season. So I have to say that Pioli has put on quite the band together. And uh, honestly, as an Inter Milan fan, it's a little scary because right now there are all these rumors about these big investment funds coming in to get AC Milan. And who knows? Maybe this is the start of a new cycle. And if this was the case, Inter Milan's new cycle was kind of short-lived, but I don't want to sound... <laughs> yeah, you would have liked it to be a little bit longer, maybe. I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I want... So the optimistic side of me tells me, Tommaso, don't worry, it's just going to be the beginning of a great new rivalry between Inter Milan and AC Milan, which we haven't seen in quite some time. Talking about the second team in the league, Inter Milan. Rory, you want to tell the story of how what, what happened, where we were while that was happening? So, a, a perfectly timed question by Hopeless Wanderer. How <laughs> brown were Tommy's pants when Empoli took the lead versus Inter? Well, we were just settling down for a beer. We were just 
And I kind of made the hilarious joke because Tommy was late for the game. I made the hilarious joke of kickoff, Empoli won into nil. And he was like, oh, fuck off. And then when Empoli went 1 0 up, I was like, oh, damn, I kind of jinxed that. I can't find that. <laughs> it was very, very quiet. And then at 2 0, there was a lot of swearing. Our windows were open. Tommy, I have realized since last night, we only we are surrounded by Milan fans, so they definitely would have heard you cursing and screaming when the second goal went in and probably had a little chuckle to themselves. It was very, very quiet in the house for a bit. I was just sat playing football manager while the game was on because I am fantastic company. And um, <laughs> eventually, AC Milan started... Uh, oh, God, AC Milan. Inter Milan started waking up. Uh, Tommy, how did you feel in that first half? Well, up until you scored, how... It was pretty despondent, right? Look, I, I, you you forgot a detail that for some reason we had just started talking about our favorite football games ever. And we were talking about Liverpool going down 3-0 mm-hmm. against AC Milan in the 2004 final. Next thing you know, bang, Empoli 1, bang, Empoli 2. And I'm just like, Rory, we need one of those games right now. Look, I was very... <sighs> I was I was very disappointed. I was just like, there is no way. The only way we are not going to win this title is by winning all games. And AC mm-hmm. Milan also win all games. So at the end, we're just like, all right, it goes down to those mistakes that we did against Bologna, against AC Milan and whatever. But when I saw 2-0, I was just like, these players better wake the fuck up. I was very happy because they did. They were able to draw at the end of the first half, 2-2. And then they made it 4-2 at the very death of time. Quite comfortable second half. It felt like Empoli really tried. This is the second time that they take the lead, the second consecutive time after beating Napoli that they take the lead and the other team comes back. Um, I think that there is something in that team. Empoli are a very good team. I think they have a very good manager as well, Andrezzoli, but they need how to manage their their forces throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cannot expect to go to the San Siro with a title um chasing team and dictate play for 90 minutes so maybe manage those energies a little better and i think if they had they could have come home with one point they have nothing to ask in the league right now they're not going to be relegated they're not going to go to europe but i feel like these games are important tests i feel like Andreazzoli is trying new things yeah, when Pinamonti scored... You have to though, remind our, yourself, our... this is this is their first se- season back in Serie A. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> they've they've done incredibly fantastic. well. Like... If, if they hadn't had that period, that mid-season period in mm-hmm. which they couldn't get a point, not even praying in whatever language they could, if it wasn't for that part, they would be a little higher. And I think mm-hmm. they, can, they can eye at the Conference League next mm-hmm. come next season. Um, but still, Inter Milan take the lead, then... AC Milan restored the lead, but it wasn't the all the thrill that there was this weekend in Serie A because the relegation picture is looking insane. <laughs> Our friends from FT LOL podcast, they asked me which teams I would want relegated if only I could choose, and I've got the names right here. Number one, Genoa. Get the fuck out of Serie A. Just, <laughs> we're so done with you. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go away. Genoa, you're number one. Number two, Cagliari. The most racist fans in the yeah. league. Fuck you. I'm flipping the bird. Of course, it's not all Cagliari fans. I have friends from Cagliari. Incredible people and everything. But I, I've got enough of your supporters and all the shit that happens whenever a black player comes to play in your stadium. Yeah. It's enough. Go back to Serie B, reflect on how big of a racist asshole you are. And then when you feel like you've matured, come back to Serie A. I've made my feel I've made my feelings clear on Calgary. I really, really just something about them I dislike. I annoys me how they always manage to get something. Like they will stay up somehow and Salernitana will go down and we'll be going, okay, they've not learned any lessons yet again, and they'll be shit again next year. And look, the third one, really, I don't have a favorite like one that I would like to see relegated because Venezia, I think that they're a club. It's one of the most famous city, cities mm-hmm. in Italy. They finally came back to Serie A. Uh, they've got a sick kit. Their stadium Beautiful is incredible. Kit. Their supporters have been very vocal the entire season. They're a nice team to watch. So I wouldn't want them to relegate it. The Salernitana are doing something incredible. And right now I'm jumping on the bandwagon big time because it's a fun bandwagon where to be. Spezia, I've got no particular feelings towards them. So we will see which other team gets relegated. I have to say the atmosphere at the Salernitana Stadium is 
always, it just always sounds incredible. That place was absolutely bouncing in the game against Calgary. Obviously, it's a huge game. It was a sellout. But I feel like every game I've seen, like watching them on TV in Salerno, I've been just so impressed by the atmosphere. I feel like their fans are incredible. And they have had a pretty shit season to watch up until about seven weeks ago. (laughs) Like, it's not been a lot of fun until very, very recently. Yeah, I mean, they haven't lost a game since April the 10th. Since then, four wins and two draws, including wins, including a draw against Atalanta. A crucial draw that could have been a win this weekend against Cagliari, but luck doesn't always go your way. I think they've been, they, they've had enough recently so they can go home. Still they had a had... bit of luck in this game, I might argue. Cagliari could have had a penalty at the end. Um, I think it was João Pedro was judged to have kicked the keeper the ball out of the keeper's mm-hmm. hands. True. I'm not convinced he did. Um, I think they got a little bit lucky there. Um, but then Cagliari got the header at the end. Right? Just like Venezia, who were awarded not one, but two penalties, the second of which according to me and Rory, is ludicrous. a penalty. Um, also, I don't I'm get thinking... how they've looked at it and VAR and given that. I honestly yeah. do. There is zero contact at all. It's such a blatant dive. Um, the Who did they play again? The Bologna manager, Mihailovic? Yeah, Mihailovic. Was absolutely fuming. Also, our thoughts go out to Mihailovic. He's going for treatment again. He does not look... He does not look well. I really, yep. we really hope that he he gets better again. But he was pretty fuming about that penalty decision. I'll be honest. But um, so this was Venezia. They managed to win four three against Bologna. Please go check out the goal by Scouten from Bologna because it's a banger. One of the best goals of the season. I want to say Cagliari and the winner to... from Venezia was a great goal as well. Oh my God, yes, from Johansson, very good goal. Then we've got Cagliari Salernitana, who drew 1-1 at the very death of time. Cagliari getting a very a point that could be crucial for the season, but the best win in the drop zone was from Genoa, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> who were they playing against? Juventus, of course. Juventus take the lead through the ball at the 48th minute. Gudmundsson scores at the 87th. And Domenico Crescito, just one week after missing the vital penalty in the Derby della Lanternina against Sampdoria, he converts from uh, how many yards is it in English? 12 yards. From 12 yards out to beat Chesney and give Genoa a crucial, crucial win. Did I feel the Crescito in fantasy football? Of course I didn't. Damn it, Tommy. Tommy. Speaking of benches, sorry, speaking of benches, I was very happy to see Vlaovic taken off and looking really pissed off and realizing that he might have made the wrong choice. Agent fees on always the right thing to follow. I saw like a lot of Arsenal Twitter now is being pretty um, like gloaty about it. Like, Arsenal approached you with a dossier of how you're going to fit into this team, how we're going to build a team around you. And Juventus went, here's 13 million. You made the wrong choice. You just made the wrong choice. Yeah, Vlaovic looking unhappy being substituted is going through quite a bit of a slump. He hasn't scored Mm -hmm. even over, I want to say, six games at Juventus. um, And uh, he's not looking happy, like, at all. Apparently, he's found out what Allegri's football looks like, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. ideal for him. Yep, you could I, have... I feel like I feel like agents should maybe learn about tactics and learn mm. about you know philosophies, and not just are they going to pay me twenty million? Are they going to pay me ten million? And if it's a bloody big if, but and if I was a high-profile professional footballer, I would be hiring an agent who knows about bloody football because there is no striker in the world that looks at Allegri and goes, he's going to improve my game. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, 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 not at all. By the way, he hasn't scored in five games. I will correct myself. There is a very good question by the hopeless wanderer that missed by Keane. How? There were actually three big Juventus Mm -hmm. misses before Genoa came back. But the one by... Man, I want to say I've got... I've, I've, I've gotten insulted a lot for missing a more difficult chance than that one when I was playing football with my mates. Like that one, Morata, he could have had a shot on target and probably scored. But it's just yeah. like, I square it up for the open man. And I don't know, man, the laziness with which he gets to the ball. 
unbelievable stuff for Juventus. Definitely something to think about um, if they want to try and fight for the league again come next season. However, we have to say, sorry, in other news, uh, the remaining games for Cagliari are going to be against Inter Milan and the last match day against Venezia for Salernitana. The next games are against Empoli and Udinese, absolutely doable. Then we've got Genoa taking on Napoli and Bologna. And finally, Venezia taking on Roma and Cagliari on the last match day. Salernitana definitely have the easier games. Yeah, they, they definitely do. have the easier games. They've got they're playing against two teams that are playing for nothing, right? Empoli, yeah. they played in Serie B last year, they're safe. Uh, and Udinese, they're a pain in the arse, but they've got nothing to play for. Salernitana definitely have it in their own hands. I think Cagliari are... <sighs> Keep your eyes on Spezia as well, because they're going through a big slump. Four mm. consecutive losses. Their next games are against Udinese and Napoli. They are not clear of the relegation zone yet. Everything to play for? Yes, Sampdoria. Also for you. The games are not over yet. Um, tonight, as we're talking, Roma are taking on Fiorentina at uh, uh, in Florence. Other results that we had in Serie A, Atalanta winning 3-1 against Spezia. Uh, and on Saturday, we had Napoli overcoming Torino just by one goal by Fabian at the 73rd minute. Sassuolo drawing 1-1 with Udinese. And we've talked about all the other results. Yes, we need right. to talk about, uh, just very quickly, Pasalic at Atalanta is kind of going under the radar a little bit. I feel like every year there's a player that jumps out at Atalanta, and this year it's Pasalic. He's scoring some beautiful goals. He's scoring quite a few goals. I feel like he's going to be someone that, if Atalanta can improve a bit next year, because they have been very, very inconsistent, very disappointing, but he has been a bright spark, and maybe some other teams will be looking at him. I've been really, really impressed by him. Really impressed Look. by him. The magic may be over at Atalanta with Gasperini. I think mm-hmm. there might be a change in the bench come next season, the end of a cycle. And I want to say that Gasperini knows that to give their fans what they deserve, a win against AC Milan could be huge. So good luck, Atalanta, next week when you get to play AC Milan at their home on the last match day that AC Milan will play at home. Please, Gasperini, I fucking hate you with all of my guts for all the shit you've talked about Inter Milan, for the shit football that you made us play when you coached Inter Milan, for that defeat against Novara that I will never forget when you were on the bench for Inter. But this time, hey, I will jump on your bandwagon as well. Please motivate your players. Please go in there and win that game. Cope Miners, says the Hopeless Wanderer, also probably on cusp of becoming a great buy for someone. Cope Miners, man, has been having an incredible season. I used to watch a bit more of Atalanta at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. It took him some time to get used to the system, to Italian football. But right now, it feels like a player that you simply cannot take off the pitch. By the way, interesting point, plenty of Dutch players in Serie A. We've got Dumfries, De Vries, Cop Miners, De Ron, uh, plenty of others too. So I'm trying to think. They're I'm going through my head. My... There are more. You can yeah. fill in the fill in the gaps, guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. This week we've got on Wednesday the Coppa Italia final. Inter against Juventus is going to be played in Rome, neutral territory for the Coppa Italia final. Can Inter win a second title this season that would definitely make everything look a little bit rosier? Or will Juventus win their first title under the new Allegri tenure? Rory, what are you thinking? I think you've done him in the Super Cup. I'm going to put my neck on the line and say you beat him in extra time. I think it's going to be like another dull game where it's more falling on the floor and time wasting than actual football but I think Inter will have the determination especially now the Scudetto might be slipping away that the Inter team are going to be extra extra driven to win this and Juventus cannot attack so I think Inter will snatch it like Tommy you want to win this right you like this is important right yeah, fuck you, Gregorio. 3-1 Juventus. <laughs> you don't want Juventus to win, Greg. Come on. We're your friends. We want Inter. You want Inter to win. Look, uh, what was your question, Rory, again? 
like this is important, right? You want to win this. Like oh, the we, FA Cup for Arsenal is huge. Like this well, must be huge. Well, we've talked about the fact that we wish Coppa Italia accounted for half of what the FA Cup accounts mm-hmm. for in the minds of Italian football fans. What I know is that we haven't won this cup in 10 years and I That's want crazy. this team I want this team to really get used to playing important mm-hmm. games, clutch games, to go in there, dictate the play and convince uh, and convince their fans. This would be our second trophy this season. And by the way, Interfans, I know that I'm possibly one of the most pessimistic that there are out there. But I've I've heard people talking about failure this season. Um, we went to the round of 16 for the first time in 11 years in the Champions League. We won a Super Cup against Juventus. We are in the Coppa Italia semifinal. If we lose this league, it will probably be by two points. So I think that it's definitely not a failure. This is definitely an important game. Even though Coppa Italia doesn't have that big appeal, it's just the, also the, the rivalry between Inter and Juventus. We kind of want to tell them, you guys are not who you used to be. We are we are there now. We are up there with AC Milan. You guys, are, you guys have to rebuild. But if I was a betting man, what would I bet money on? Dusan Vlaovic scoring the opener of this game. He finally gets his goal. I've just said it. Five games without scoring. You can, I, can, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah, it. No, I know it. He's going to uh, score a banger in the Juventus for in the final for Juventus, and uh, it's going to be a banger. And uh, he's going to be back on the goal scoring sheet. But Bastoni is the only player that Inter should be missing for this uh, crucial final on Wednesday night in Rome. Juventus, on the other hand. They cannot count on Danilo and, of course, Chiesa, Caio Jorge, Pellegrini, Locatelli and McKenney, who've been out for quite some time already. Hopeless Wanderer says, I think you would have taken this season given you sold Lukaku and Akimi. Preach, Adam, my mm-hmm. friend. You just said it. It wasn't an easy It wasn't an easy season to start with. New manager who did very well. There is... There is room for improvement, but mm-hmm. considering it was his first season on such a massive job, I think he did all right. And uh, let's come back next season with possibly a few trophies on our back and ready to rumble again. Midweek action in the Premier League, Rory. What have we got? We've got tomorrow night, we've got Steven Gerrard hosting his beloved Liverpool um, at Villa Park in a game that Liverpool... Well, obviously, need to win, right? They just need to win all of their games at this point. Um, then on Wednesday, we have Leicester City hosting Norwich City in who can defend set pieces the worst. Both of these teams are absolutely terrible at it. And then we have Watford, who have sadly been relegated in the most predictable news of all time. They will be playing. They will be playing at home against Everton. That's on Wednesday night. We also have Leeds hosting Chelsea. Leeds in such a tough run of fixtures. Relegation is starting to look like a real possibility for them. But Chelsea just giving away goals at the moment. So I feel like this is definitely, definitely could be an upset there. We have Wolves hosting Man City. Again, Man City will need to win. I worry for Wolves there, but they are very difficult to score against. Bruno Large, a kind of outside shout for manager of the year. He's been unbelievable, done an unbelievable job at Wolves there. And then, of course, on Thursday night, we have Tottenham hosting Arsenal. Woo! I am terrified. Very, very scared. Very scared. Um, can, can, it's you with a, can you say it with the Donald Trump voice? Very, very scared. Very scared. I don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> that was terrible. Um, we do also have playoff semifinals. Um, or playoff final even, uh, apparently soon, but I isn't at the... Um, it isn't at my fingers immediately, um, that information. But <laughs> while we're talking playoffs, I wanted to give a shout-out to friend of the show, Hopeless Wanderer, Wickham Wanderers, getting into the playoff final after winning 2-1 over a club that everybody hates, MK Dons, 2-1 on aggregate. Beautiful to see. Could see them back up in the championship, which would be incredible. Um, I'm sure going to get a few messages now from Adam telling us exactly how amazing that was, but I did see the videos from MK, and uh, the Wickham fans were 
bloody loud. They were doing a right job, really did the club proud. So, yeah, great to see them doing well. In the championship, the playoffs have been decided. Um, Fulham and Bournemouth have been promoted automatically because, of course, they have. Then we have Huddersfield taking on Nottingham Forest, a team that everyone would love to see back in the Prem. They've not been in the Premier League for 26 years, 25 years, I want to say. So it really would be good to see Forest back. And in the other tie, we have Sheffield United taking on Luton Town, who are the fairy tale of the champion, championship season. I saw a thing that said their squad is worth 1.5 million. If you compare that to Fulham, which was 158 million, that really shows you just how incredible a job Nathan Jones has done at Luton there. Again, another historic English team would be good to see them up in the Premier League. And as we've often seen with the playoffs, the teams that sneak in at the last minute because they tend to be in good form, they tend to be on a high, they too, they do tend to do very well in the playoffs. The championship playoffs, definitely worth keeping an eye on, as always. Nice stuff. Uh, I want to say that we want to take a look at the Serie B as well. Cremonese, another team from Lombardia, going up again to Serie A after a long, long time. It features a player from Juventus, Mr. Nicolò Fagioli, which means Nick Beans, if you want to translate it in English. Over in the summer, friends asked him on a WhatsApp group chat, hey, Nick, are you going to Cremonese? And he said, yes, I'm going to take them back to Serie A. Fast forward six months, they are back in Serie A. Cremona, city not far from Milan, I want to say one hour away. Maybe calls for an interesting road trip, Rory, to go watch Inter play against Cremonese. But All over that. We were talking about Bari going back to Serie B. It's time for another Puglia team to go back to Serie A. It's Lecce. Guys, if you love Italian football, you need to be crossing your fingers right now for Bari to have an incredible season in Serie B next year. Come to Serie A and for Lecce to stay in Serie A because the Lecce Bari Derby is what we all need in our yearly schedule of football. Those two cities on this in the same region, they fucking despise each other. People I've witnessed two friends from Puglia who didn't know each other, one from Lecce and one from Bari. I was just like, hey, you're gonna love my friend. He's from Puglia. Really? Where is he from? Lecce. I'm not going to talk to him. I was just like, what do you mean? I went to the other one. Hey, I've got a friend from Bari. You want to talk to him? No, man. Who the fuck is that guy? And they were like, they were like eyeing each other from afar. And then I was just like, guys, why don't you talk? He's just like, man, I just don't get along with people from Bari. It's beautiful. All those people. There was a story about Bari fans blocking off the motorway with buses to stop the Lecce fans getting home so they could attack them and shit. Like this derby is intense. But that aside, I would love Love to see it in Serie A. What, like, I feel like, you know, we've got the Salerno Napoli derby, which is this crazy derby that's never been played, but we've seen them and the atmosphere has been incredible. It would be great to get another Southern derby in Serie A. Why not? Other teams that are um, in a, sorry, is the, yeah, the playoffs. uh, Wait, do I have information about the playoffs? No, I don't. But the other teams that are going to be playing the playoffs are Pisa, Monza, Brescia, Ascoli, Benevento, and Perugia. Another two teams from Lombardia. So Serie A could possibly become a very heavy Lombardia uh, league, but easier for us to go to away games. I guess. The, the, right? <laughs> my wallet will thank you. If another Lombardian team could get promoted, that would be great for the budget. Yeah. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of the episode. Hopeless Wanderer. Maybe hearsay, but apparently has cannibalistic behaviors. Had to be locked up in a dressing room separately. Sounds bullshit, but reported on Sky Italia. Who are you talking about? Korea. Korea? What? Oh, my God. Where did that come from? (laughs) Sky Italia, apparently. Guys, breaking. We hope this isn't liable. (laughs) Because that could be... Oh, my God. All right. Well, well, that would be creepy. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, I don't know what to say. Well, greatest (laughs) way to end an episode. Adam from the Hopeless Wanderer podcast. This is Adam Gipke from the Adam Hopeless Wanderer podcast. This is the guy to blame in case this news was utter bullshit. If our lawyers are listening, 
Contact him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But guys, it's been a pleasure to see you. Go Inter on Wednesday night. Go Arsenal on Thursday night in the derby against Tottenham. This is it from us, episode 63, season two. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, and to give a cheeky little sponsor, follow to our sponsor at Sports Club Maps. We shall talk to you again on Friday. And here, here, Rory has managed to line up yet another interview. So, another interview to look forward to. That's it from me. Rory, anything to say? Um, I'm off to Google Joaquin Correa because that is honestly, that is just fixated in my mind now. Um, Enjoy your week, listeners. And hopefully, hopefully on Friday's show, although I will not know the result on Friday's show, hopefully this time next week, I will be celebrating an Arsenal North London derby win. Come on, Arsenal, please don't let me down. But most importantly, if you see Joaquin Correa knock at your door, don't fucking open it, guys. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. And thank you for being with us. To everybody who tuned in during our YouTube and Twitch live. See you soon on Friday. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>